Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We're joined today by Jay Kinder, a real estate business phenom who's gone from small town kid to master business growth strategist recognized throughout the real estate industry. Among his many accomplishments, Jay built an impressive real estate brand, positioning him as one of the top 10 Coldwell Banker agents worldwide, Small Business Administration Young Entrepreneur of the Year, Realtor Magazine's 30 Under 30, Wall Street Journal's Top 25 Agents Worldwide. He's also the co-founder of Kinder Reese Real Estate Partners, credited with helping thousands of real estate agents strategically grow their businesses with proven and market-tested business coaching. Jay is also a best-selling co-author of the 2011 business book, Trendsetters. The world's leading experts reveal top trends to help you achieve greater wealth, health, and success. And the 2012 bestseller, The New Rise in Real Estate, the nation's trusted real estate advisors reveal their top secrets for buying and selling homes in the new real estate economy. Now, let's welcome Jay to the call as we join our host, Tim Harris. All right, Tim, thank you very much for that great interview. And yes, I think you hit the nail on the head. Jay Kinder is without a doubt one of the industries, I don't know, it, I'm just so lucky to have someone like Jay on our podcast. Jay and I have known each other for a long, long time. Um, you know, we knew when, we knew each other sporadically when he was selling real estate, when he was forming his coaching business. Yeah. And Jay's, Jay's one of those people that I've been in contact with consistently for the last, I don't even know how long. And every time I've come in contact with him, he's always impressed me uh, with how professional he was. And really the essence of Jay, and I want all of you to listen, listen to this. I'm going to try to say something to embarrass him, but I bet I won't. <laughs> he has this, oh, <laughs> he has this, oh, shucks, Oklahoma, you know, West Texas slang in his voice. And he kind of comes off as just like a guy you'd want to sit on a porch and drink beers and talk about, I don't know, the chicken prices. But he is wicked smart. And so you've got to listen to Jay because he really you don't, you don't see him coming. And when you start talking to him, you realize how damn smart he is. So, Jay, welcome to today's podcast, and thank you for being my co-host. Hey, man, I appreciate the, the, the very accurate introduction. <laughs> Has anyone ever said that to you before? Because that really is. Oh, your... yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I come across uh, a pretty uh, laid back in country, so um, as real as it gets. Yeah, I mean, you have like, you live on like a little ranch, don't you, up in uh, like Fresno, Texas, correct? Yeah, yeah, uh, just north of Frisco. Yeah, I live uh, in the country. They don't let me in the city. I found it. I don't fit in there very well. <laughs> yeah. Do you have uh, any animals? Uh, not any wild, uh, not any li- livestock. Uh, we've got dogs and cats and the normal, the normal type stuff you would see. My, my neighbors do have fainting goats, which by far is my favorite animal that you could ever have. Um, hysterical. <laughs> oh, the fainting goats. Yes, I've seen those yeah. on uh, YouTube before. Those are hilarious. Yeah. So let's let's talk about your real estate. You and um, Mike, you guys built a really just kick-ass real estate thing in the uh, business. And the cool thing that you guys did is you did it. You kicked ass in Oklahoma. 
and then you kicked ass in a totally different market. So can you just give them like a thumbnail right. sketch of what what you guys have done real estate wise? And I'll tell you why it's important. And don't I know you're a Midwesterner in essence. You're you know in essence the same as me as far as not liking to brag about yourself and right. wanting to be humble and all that. But what I would, would like for you to do is set that aside so these folks can realize that you're absolutely the real deal because in this day and age, Jay, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, there are so many fake real estate coaches out there, people who have never sold okay. real estate before, you, and it drives me crazy, drives you crazy. So please let these guys know that what you've done and who you are. Yeah, sure. I appreciate that, Tim. Yeah, so the short story, you know, I got into real estate you know, 21 years ago, and uh, I was fortunate enough. I bought everybody, anybody that sold anything, I bought it. And I figured out how to, to you know, I, I failed my way to success as, as an easy way to put it. And um, interestingly enough, I was selling a couple hundred homes a year. And I'm from a lot in Oklahoma. It's a pretty small town. And uh, Michael Reese, who's my business partner in, in the coaching training business and uh, at EXP is my business partner as well. And we, you know, he came up to me. We ran into each other at the lake one day, and we're both kind of, you know, lake fanatics. And, and he, he's, you know, I was in a big, you know, go fast boat. I was like 22 years old. He's like, dude, what are you? Is this your dad's boat? I was like, no, this is my boat. He said, what do you do? I said, I said, well, we haven't seen each other in a few years. We went to college together, uh, but we hadn't, you know, really ran into each other. He ended up quitting, the, you know, quitting his job, gets into real estate, calls me every day for like, you know, it felt what felt like a year. We just kind of hit it off, but. I'd never had anybody ask me what I did to be successful. And so Mike was asking me, hey, should I do this? Should I do that? Should I do this? And I was just telling him, no, don't do that. That doesn't work. Don't buy that. Just use this. Get this website. And he just did everything I did. And he built his business to a million where it took me six years to do it. And he did it in three. And we were like, dang, that's really interesting. You know, like you know, I, ne I probably never would have known what to say, you know, that, you know, on my path to success. Um, you know, and I, I went on to sell, you know, 531 homes and uh, I never was number one in my marketplace, um, which is a fact. I was number two in the world for Cola Banker and I was number two in my market. I actually competed against a Remax team that sold 700 homes a year. So like I had a really good competitor that, that has forced me to level up and my skills in every, every possible way. And I think the other thing that's interesting about the market in lot in Oklahoma, um, and that would probably not be a positive for most people, but because the average sale price was like 130,000. Um, there was no room in my model, in the business model, for me to make a mistake. I couldn't overpay someone. I couldn't have my splits too aggressive. I had to really nail the business model. And, it, you know, it forced me to do that just because of the average sale price. So, you know, where, you know, most people, um, you know, I have to fill an entire city block in order to do, you know, a million dollars worth of volume everybody else, uh, for everybody else, it was, um, you know, a lot easier. So I think that just, you know, made it, um, you know, both of us had, were in the business. We got into coaching as real estate agents so we could tell people, hey, this is what we're doing. These are the results we're getting. And so that's, I think, what really made us real to people when people felt like they could trust the advice we had because we were out there doing it with them. Okay, I'm sure many of you at this point are somewhat curious about eXp. It's something that seems to be on everyone's mind. eXp is obviously one of the fastest-growing real estate brokerages in the history of real estate. Um, I'm going to save you the effort of having to do a lot of Googling and a lot of research. We've prepared a video for you. All you have to do is text the word EXP, that's it, just text the word EXP to 31996. Go ahead and do that now. Text the word EXP, well, is that a word or are those letters? I think they're letters. Just text the letters EXP to 31996, and you're going to be sent a link, and you can watch a quick seven-minute video that EXP has provided so that you can get all your questions answered about EXP and take your um, – you know, decide if you want to pursue the opportunity any further. Seriously, consider texting the word EXP to 31996. You were, uh, if I remember correctly, you were doing a lot of the Craig Proctor stuff originally, right? Yep. 
Yep, he was um, yep. he's one of the many coaches that we paid within the industry. Yep, and did Craig Proctor stuff for probably, oh gosh, probably from 2000. I was probably doing a couple hundred deals when I went to his first event, and um, it really helped me with you know some some of the more aggressive marketing things that he thought. And just like anything else, there was you know for every one thing that worked, there was two or three things that really didn't work for me. Um, but you know, I took a lot of value out of the relationships that I gathered while I was there, and and um, give a lot of credit to Craig for for a lot of this early success that I had. Definitely. I mean, Craig was very influential on people in the 90s and into the two, early 2000s. He, uh, I'll say I always will have respect for Craig because he was one of the first guys – well, he, he, I guess he formalized the relationship with Dan Kennedy somehow and was doing a lot of mm-hmm. copywriting yep. and direct response advertising. And I had a conversation with Craig. Uh, it was like the year after Julie and I sold 100 homes our first year, and he was so yep. nice. He was so polite. He was so classy. Ryan Searle actually introduced us to him. And um, right. you know the thing that the thing that was really fascinating to me about Craig, and it, I didn't realize it at the time, was that he it, people like him in our industry, and I hope that I can be seen as the same. Julie and I can be the same, and you can be seen as the same. Mm-hmm. We actually did it, practiced it, proved it, and now we're teaching others to do it. That's completely right. different than this huge sea of people that got into the business since the seller's market returned, who have never actually sold any, you know, never sold real estate before, and right. really don't. And, and I'm including the tech companies too when I talk about that. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about all these Very companies true. that have emerged since 2007 that really, the, you know, these guys, you know, Inman in particular and all these events, oh, they're, they're championing them. They're going to change the real estate world. Well, no, they're not. All they're really – like look at the iBuyer thing. Okay, look at the right. iBuyer thing. The iBuyer thing, dude, is just a rehash of the guaranteed home sale that dates back like 30 freaking years. I, I right. mean, people talk about it like it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. It's been around for decades, but these new agents don't know it. I mean, th- some of these things, right. they're kind of amazing to see. Uh, don't you agree? Yeah, the, the cycles uh, repeat themselves, right? Like, it's like everybody, you know, that wasn't in the business, you know, prior to 2007, they yep. don't remember that Help, Help You Sell exploded on the scene and was the number one <laughs> discounter in the country, and they're gone, yep. right? They're gone. What happened to them in 07, 08? The, the margins got pretty tight, and they got their their butts handed to them, and they're gone. So, like you know, that you know, the better the market gets for the longer period of time, the more risky the model you'll see in, in the in the marketplace to try to you know to pick up all this volume uh, of business. But as soon as the market shifts, it's that's where you know you can see who's skinny dipping whenever the market shifts. shifts. Yeah, I mean it's definitely true, and that is fascinating too because the, the, these ideas really do repeat themselves and. Um, I remember at a Howard Britton event, this was back in the 90s, there was a big table where all the Howard stars, and Julie and I were Howard stars, where we used to put out all of our marketing crap. And Julie and I got seduced by the marketing crap for a short while. And, and you'd go to these events, and there'd be these agents that would show up with some of the fanciest, nicest, most beautiful Hobbs and Herder style, just gorgeous stuff. <laughs> Ridiculously yeah. expensive. And I remember right. looking at all this, and Julie and I were feeling like, oh, my God, we really got to get our game on. And this guy walks up behind us, and he goes, you can always tell when the market's good. Agents don't know how to spend their money. And he turned around and walked away. And the guy that said that was a guy named Jim Duvall, who I later found out, I don't know if you remember that guy, that his wife was an agent, but he was an honest-to-God billionaire. So I established a little informal coaching relationship with that guy. He just called me out of the blue one day. I, I, the backstory doesn't matter. But he and I right. started talking, and, he, and I started learning how he became a billionaire. And one of the first things oh, he wow. said – yeah, right? But it wasn't anything that – like if I were to tell you what I remember from those conversations, you'd have heard all of it before. And I guess that's really the bottom line. The tenets to become successful at anything, they never change. And right. um, 
you know, it's all about doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. It's all about learning how. Well, so so let's talk about that. Let's talk about proactive lead generation yeah. versus passive lead generation. What's your stance okay. on that? Um, yeah, pro, proactive. When you when you say proactive, you mean as far as uh, the consistency of doing the things. Prospecting, generating right. your own business, opposed to buying it. Yeah, put it like buying Absolutely. leads from Zillow yeah, would be passive. Pro- yeah. Yeah, my, my my the number one thing that's sold in ninety nine percent of agents that are out there, and I when I say ninety nine percent, I mean agents that are doing. I don't know the exact number. But I'm gonna guess. You can probably tell me nine hundred and fifty thousand agents out of a million are probably doing less than thirty deals a year. Those agents that are doing less than thirty deals a year, if they understood one thing, and that's the principle of how the marketing use marketing to acquire a customer instead of paying other people to do that for them, if they learn that one skill, they would break through to the next level. Like that's the one thing, the one skill. There's the sales skills I believe you have to have to go with that, but the marketing skill, the ability to j- turn advertising into profit, is the, it's the biggest opportunity in, in, in any industry too. If you think about it, Tim, like we can go out and spend a hundred dollars or even a thousand dollars and acquire a client that's worth ten thousand dollars. What kind of return on investment is that compared to any other place you could put your money? In real estate, it is just it's a huge opportunity for people who understand marketing to turn you know turn those marketing dollars into a, a tremendous return on investment. And uh, the agents that are buying things from Zillow and Realtor.com and letting them do all the marketing um, are not learning the skill set that really is what would set them apart in the market. Shall we have a friendly debate? Sure. Okay. So yes to everything you just said makes perfect sense. And just to underline what you just said, really, if you're not the one that's basically controlling the relationship, if you're relying on getting your leads from Zillow or from any other source, you're just basically the guy at the cash register who's saying, do you want fries with that? And at the end of the day, there's all, most of the agents who have been licensed only since 07, who where buying leads has become normalized, they don't know any different, so they have never learned how to proactively lead generate. But I'll suggest, and this, this, and I don't, you know, that the idea of even doing marketing for business should not be the primary focus of any agent. Now, and the simple answer is why. It's the the reason why is because it costs money. Learning how right. to proactively lead generate yourself should be the first thing that every agent does, but it's the last thing that most agents do because it does require time. It does require doing what you don't want to do and you don't want to do it at the highest level. It does require you learning how to overcome rejection. It requires you to have real sales skill, whereas if you're only reliant on buying leads through any clever form of marketing, you are always going to be dependent on how long that clever form of marketing, how long that little gimmicky idea is going to work before it stalls out, then you have to look for a new one. That's So my premise is, go ahead, let's debate it. No, I agree. I, agree. <laughs> I, 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 I happen to agree with what you're saying. And in and, and short form, I would say, if I, if I understand what you're saying, um, you know, I would definitely say, like my son's 21 years old, just got into business a year ago. We've, me, he, just he like you, by the way. Five. Thank you. He's uh, he's got he's got all the talent. He's got all the talent in the world to be able to be super successful. But he does not want to do the hard work. He does not like calling expires and physicals, and it's a low hanging fruit. And so it's in every marketplace. I've never, and I mean this, never have I seen an agent that's exploded to. Not that everybody should have this goal, but I've never seen anyone that's blown up their business to you know 100 plus transactions, 200, 300, 500 ever that didn't make those calls themselves. And you, know, okay. you can do stop, that. Stop right there. So Jay, stop right okay. there. But that's really yep. important. Listeners, listen to what he just said. That's so freaking important. I love the fact that he said that. And neither have I, by the way. You'll never find yeah, anybody I, who's successful who doesn't actually work the damn phones, period, full stop. Right. right. That's and, it. And here's the reason why. It's something that it, there's – and I don't know that we ever will, right? Like, you know, there, even if you come into the business and you have a ton of money to invest to do marketing, 
the chops that you get by making those calls and getting paid, it's all about the experience of being face-to-face with 30 people that don't really want to list their house with you. The things that you learn, the skills that you learn during that period of time, and you really probably only need – the number that I came up with is like at 15, you get a lot of confidence. At 30, you feel unstoppable. That's kind of like just do it until you get to that number, and then you'll see how much money you're making from it, and you would never stop doing it anyway. It's one of the highest dollar productive activities you could ever do. And so that is a prerequisite to, you know, to in my in my mind, I feel like most agents don't really ever make a breakthrough of 30 to 50 transactions until they do that. Um, and then once they do that, the next level is, you know, to start learning how to turn advertising in, you know, with their own money and, and learn how to, you know, to become kind of the go-to agent in the marketplace. That's been the strategy that we've used for, for the years that we've been coaching agents. So one of the things that I admire most about you is that you had a big team and you are willing to admit how the profitability of most big teams sucks. Um, Pat Hyben also said that in his book. You say it, and I. And just, everybody knows it's true that's ever done it before. And and so right. I, again, if you want to debate this, we can. But you, no, uh, you know, here's, it's the only the only caveat <laughs> in San Diego. Okay. Oh, you have to still okay. A well, yeah, uh, definitely else. I mean, if you have, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but look, guys, here's the thing. If, and, and Jay, let's again. I'd like to have, find something we don't agree on. It would be fun. I know. So I know far I'm, 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 I'm looking, looking for it, brother. We'll right. right. <laughs> okay. All right. So if here's a little analogy. When we have people call us, and I know you do too, all the time, who are asking, "I want to form a big team." I always ask why, and they're like, "What? What the hell? Isn't that what I'm supposed to be doing?" <laughs> I thought that's what I was supposed to be doing. I'm on this holy grail. I'm supposed to be walking to Mecca, and Mecca is where I have my big team. And I explained to them, what is your goal? Why did you get into real estate? Yep. Well, they wanted, you know, they want to make a lot of money. Okay, well, look, you can form a big team, and probably after enough time, you will have kick-ass revenue. You could have a ton of people that you call your team members. People will kiss your ass. You'll have all the awards. You know, you'll be on stage. You will be somebody who people look up to, but your net's probably going to suck. And it's not yep. just it, – it, it is a statistical fact and mm-hmm. when people realize this is when the cash flow slows down, when the market starts mm-hmm. to pivot like it is now. And then all of a sudden, the le- this 10 buyer's agents they have, they can no longer buy the leads. They're not as efficient as they thought they were. They're realizing that the, you know, all, these, all of a sudden the net goes from less than 10%. That's what most teams are making. Not my statistic, but statistics from other people. Less than 10%. Now it goes down to 5%. And then you have a couple crappy months and then you're eating into your own savings, and then you're rationalizing, mm-hmm. I'm going to feed my business from borrowing money, and then you're bankrupt. And that happens, that's happened in, I, I mean, Jay and I have been in business about the same amount of time. Three cycles I've seen I'm, that happen. I can, tell you, I, can, I can tell you exactly how it happened to me. I mean, it's the exact same thing that happened to me. And, and, it's, and keep in mind, I mean, and, and my story was, it was painful. I mean, it was real painful because we were coaching agents. We had a coaching business. We were writing checks to, to that company to get it going. And um, we had we we had a ton of different things that went wrong. It was all of our eggs were in one basket of real estate, you know, rental properties, flipping properties, developing, building. I mean, we had everything going. So when it was all said and done, and the dust finally settled, and I took my head out of the sand to look at the damages, I was six hundred and I want to say thirty something thousand dollars in debt, bad debt, not good debt. And I was le- I was leveraged to the hill, and there was nothing I could do about it. And I rode that thing all the way down. And I said, I'll never forget. There's one thing I'll never forget: cut deeper and cut faster. That was where I'm. That was the mistake I made. I tried to outwork it. I tried to get up at 4:30 and outwork it. And there's no outworking a downturn. Not like what we saw in 07 and 08. Um, it was a tremendous ass whooping. I, I tell you know the, I tell people that it was so bad I canceled my Netflix. 
Okay, think about that for a second. Like, how bad does shit got to be for you to cancel a Netflix? You know what I mean? That, that's how bad it was. I canceled my Netflix. It was a, it was the worst thing. I mean, you couldn't have you couldn't have tattooed on my mind the lessons that I learned during that time. And and I'm sure my dad told me and everybody else told me, but I learned those lessons. Uh, lessons of uh, lessons of bought or lessons taught. All right, so I'm going to remind all of you, you want to text the word EXP to 31996. Go ahead and do that now, and you'll be uh, texted back a link of, for a seven-minute video that answers all your questions about EXP. So go ahead and do that now. Text the word EXP to 31996. It takes two seconds, and, uh, yeah, we'll text you back with the video. You can just watch it and uh, have all your questions answered. Right. I hope people are listening out there because here's what's going to happen. Uh, you're going to discover this podcast in about a year, and you're going to be listening back, and you're going to be going, holy shit, I wish I would have listened to that a year earlier because I now yep. have this team that I'm having to – that is literally draining the life out of me, and I've been on this primrose path to forming this team because I thought I was going to real estate mecca where I'd have this big team and everyone would be working for me, and I have leverage and bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Okay? Yep. Then you hear from someone like Jay, and dozens of other people have experienced the same thing, and they think – so. You individual agent listening now who are thinking about forming your team, you have to understand that what you're going to be sacrificing in exchange for not working directly with buyers and sellers is running an adult daycare. I don't care what your team culture is, and you're also mm -hmm. going to be running much smaller margins, okay? Yep. That's what's going to happen. 99.9% .9 of you are better off if you only have you focusing on primarily on going after listings and then maybe two or three assistants. And your buyer yep. leads, after you get your listing count up and you keep it consistent, refer those things off for 30 or 35% to individual agents who just love, love, love working buyers. There are always going to be buyers in there. You get your nights, you get your weekends, you get cons consistent cash flow. Realize that if your goal from getting into real estate was to make a profit, the team model has proven and is proving not to be that path to profitability in terms of being able to you know, build actual net worth. And that's a good pivot, right? So how yep. do you – when you have these agents come to you, they always like – like, you know, when you get these calls, it's like, Tim, I've got this team. I heard you and Jay on, on this podcast, you know, and, God, you were speaking right to me. This is exactly what they say. I right. need your yeah. help. I like you, were I, right. I, you were speaking right to my heart. I need you to tell me how I can get the hell out of this team thing and get back to the point where I'm not lying to my wife or my husband about how much money we're losing in the business. So when you get calls like that, what do you tell them? Um, I mean, it's a, it's a strategic, you know, planning, you know, doing the right things in the right order. The, the reality is for most of the, for most people that get into this and they're not making money, they're just not doing the dollar producing activities. And the minute they go back to doing the things that got them where they were at in the first place, they, they, they turn the ship around. And, you know, the, the thing that, I try to explain to people, and I and the year that I did 233 transactions, I had three assistants and no buyer's agents. I didn't know anything about that until I went to Craig Proctor, learned about the whole team. Then I built my business up to 500 plus deals, and not to not to slam Craig, but they used to tell me until you sell as many homes as Craig, you just do what he did. Well, I did that, and then I got I got to the point where I was at negative three percent profit. I said, okay, well something's got to change because this shit ain't working. So, you know, that was, you know, my lesson learned. I said, well, now I'm not selling you, Craig, so maybe y'all should start looking at what, you know, what we need to do to be more profitable. And that was kind of how our relationship ended. <laughs> but, um, and nothing, you know, again, not to say that he can't help you grow a business, but it's like you said a minute ago, it comes down to what are your profit margins? Like, what is your actual money you're taking home? It ain't about, like, people get caught up in transactions and these awards and Ego, all this other man. stuff. 
it's so it is so so terrible. Like I mean, I've seen so many people's P and Ls, and it's just not you know. And 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 where it really hurts is because you're going to get thrown back in the business anyways. As soon as your top agent, one or two agents leave you, and you and you didn't have a recruiting system in place, and now you're trying to you know replace them. You're focused. You're, you shift your focus to instead of doing dollar producing activities. Most people, if they if they hire a buyer agent before they get to a hundred transactions. They, are, they just created a new job. They didn't have a hiring process. They didn't have an onboarding process. They didn't have an ongoing training regimen, and they just put themselves in those three jobs uh, for, uh, for an agent to be successful. And it, like you said, it's an adult daycare. You hire one, then you hire three, and next thing you know, you know you're, not do, you're not making your calls like you used to. You're not doing the things that are face-to-face with you know, clients, and you're giving away half the money. And that's really where, you know, where everything starts to break down is when you give away half of the margin on a deal that you could have done, um, you know, there's just – you know, you're just going to not be profitable. You're just not going to be as profitable. And you start telling yourself, well, I want to work on helping my agents become better agents. You start actually saying some serious brainwash bullshit about what your uh-huh. mission is. And people, and you hear this all the time. I'm going to work, well, I mean, Jay, you, look, I'm going to work on my team culture. My job is I want to mentor agents. Brother, you ain't making no money. You're not taking care of your family. You're accumulating debt. You've got no savings. Your kids have holes in their shoes, and you think that your highest and best purpose in your business is to worry about mentoring some damn agent who's basically going to screw you in six months after they leave and do their own thing? I mean, let's just get real. You got in this business to make a profit. You make profit from doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. If you want to be rich, rich comes from having done – having essentially provided a high level of service to enough people that enough people are willing to pay for. And the definition of rich is where your money works for you and you no longer work for your money. So mm-hmm. let's pivot, okay? So what was, yeah, was your goal? And what, what, you're welcome. See, I said that shit before, so you know. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah. So when you are when you got into real estate, was your goal just to sell real estate until you were pushing up daisies, or what was it? What was your original goal? Unfortunately, I had no idea. I, like I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't even have goals. Like when my dad passed out this coal bank, so my dad was he had he got into real estate in 1977, the year I was born. So I was kind of born into real estate, but I didn't want to get into it. And then all of a sudden, you know, my job of mowing yards in the summer uh, wasn't paying paying you know a lot of bills. And I saw this guy in the office that he got like a five thousand dollar check, and I was sweating. It was hot, and I was like, "What the hell did he do today? I want to do some of that." You know, like you know. So I got kind of interested in it. Got my license. My dad sent me to Dale Carnegie. Fortunately, that helped me a lot. And then um, I, I saw that there's all this opportunity, but I didn't really know what was possible. I mean, I'm a I'm a I graduated in the top 25 in my class, but there was only 36 of us in Walters, Oklahoma. So like there, there was, you know, there's, there's not a lot, you know, there's not a lot of like big dream that I had of what I was going to be able to accomplish. So I remember writing down my first year's goal was $35,000. That was my goal. And um, uh, I think I closed 22 deals the first year by accident. And I think I took all the crappy listings no one else wanted, uh, REO stuff and everything else. And then I think, you know, it started to grow from there pretty quickly, but uh, I started figuring out, and, I, and I, I, I went to an event, and a guy was – this is funny. He'll appreciate this. So a guy named Roger Butcher. Does that sound familiar? Oh, yeah, man. Now I remember that name forever ago. Yeah. So I went to one of his courses. He's kind of, he was really kind of corny, but he had some really good stuff. And he was talking about for sale by owners, and nobody ever told me about for sale by owners. And I got so excited. I left the class at, for lunch, and I was driving around Norman, which is where the class was. Nobody comes to Lawton. And, uh, and I was driving around. And I called my dad. I said, man. You know about these for sale by owners. These people put signs in their yard and they want to sell their house and no agents are calling them. I'm calling these people up here. I'm going to get referrals. That's how, that's how dumb I was, right? Like I had no idea what I was getting into. 
but but that's you know that was how you know when I started into real estate where I was you know um, you know the opportunity was there I just didn't know what I what was what was possible so I didn't I didn't have a ten year plan or a twenty year plan I was young enough that I just didn't think I needed to think about it I wish I would have had a better plan it wasn't until a few years later that I started getting into buying investment properties and stuff like that and really focusing on trying to build wealth. So I have a great question for you, but before I do, so if some of you listening are going to be new agents, you're looking for a roadmap, you're looking for, like, before you really go too far down the real estate rabbit hole and realize that a lot of it is really a bunch of people trying to co-opt your own potential, they're trying to essentially get you to believe their dream opposed to you having a formal focus and dream for yourself, which is and should be being rich where your money works for you, you no longer work for your money. I mean, that is the goal. You should make it so one day you have enough passive income so you no longer have to work anymore. Some of you know that that should be your goal, but as soon as you get your real estate license, everyone's breathing down your back to buy leads or form a team, and you're thinking to yourself, well, maybe those are more important goals. And the next thing you know, 20 years have passed, and you have no net worth. So before you go down that path, I'm going to give you a quick book, two quick books to uh, consider reading. Actually, I'll give you three. Uh, Fanatical Prospecting by Jeb Blunt. Definitely get that book. Uh, number two, um, oh, Profits Aren't Everything. They're the only thing. It, that is one of my favorite books of all time that you will never, ever, ever hear a real estate broker or anybody inside the real estate industry ever uh, championing because it's all about making profit, And but it's such a good book. Profits Aren't Everything, the only thing. And our own book, which is called Harris Rules, and the revised edition is coming out in a new uh, couple months, so pre-order now on Amazon. All three of those are available on Amazon now, so just hop on over and get those three books. All right, so here's a question I have for you. What are the three biggest things that everyone will be talking about in real estate that maybe, unless you're on, operating on your level, that people aren't really very much aware of, like, what are the three biggest monumental market movers that people are completely underestimating that are going to 100% or at least you know 50% change the game in, love, in ways that people are just not really consciously thinking about? How about that mm. for a big, lofty top, question? Top three, that's a, that's a really good one. So um, I think, I think there's, there's a large percentage of the, the real estate population that are not talking about, um, that are not talking about the, Zillow, the, the Zillow Offers Program, Open Door, and OfferPad. And and I don't know that I would classify that as going to be at least a 50% game changer, but they certainly are coming aggressively at buying properties. And they have you know they they have a business model that allows them to you know, turn turn that money over you know two three times a year. Um, and if, you know, if they're beating the stock market, they're just going to you know they're going to pour more money into it. Again, I think the market when it shifts, that's going to be a different story. But I think that's one. I don't know what would you get. What would I say? I agree with you on that one completely. I think what they're going to do is they're going to change the consumer's expectation of how – but really, if you look at the model again, just it's worth pointing out that this model is a, a hybrid approach of the guaranteed home sale and what these We Buy Ugly Houses guys have been doing. But the thing right. that people don't understand, mostly real estate agents, is these guys do not have to make – like when Zillow talks about we're going to make ourselves a $20 billion a year company, they're talking about revenue. And agents, I see them grinding away. Well, what's your net going to be? What's your net going to be? They don't care. They're not focused on net because that's not how that business operates. That's a revenue. Their value on the publicly traded markets is based on their revenue. So agents, you don't understand how those guys are operating. So they can um, essentially get into this market without having – they're making like around 10000 If you look at their numbers, they're making around $10,000 per house. Now, they can yep. lose some and gain some plus or minus. But ultimately, what do they capture? 
They capture the transaction. They capture the mortgage. There's on average five times more profit nowadays on a mortgage transaction than there is on a real estate transaction. So there's a great way for them to make money. What do I? Mm. And I think that idea is going to be scaled. You're going to, you know, Gary Keller's trying to scale with Keller Williams. I suspect you're going to see a white-labeled version that where people can a brokerage or even a small, you know, a, a producing team can offer their own. Uh, I buyer program that's backstopped by say some company. Uh, you know, there's going to be hybrids yep. that are going to emerge. I'll tell yep. you uh, another little side note, and I know you know a lot of people that do this. Jay is people that run uh, radio ads. They've pivoted their radio ad to be more aggressive to sound like the I buyer ads, and they're getting all those I buyer leads. And uh, you know, so the industry is going to react. The iBuyer momentum is not going to slow, but I doubt if the agents, uh, the industry is going to be complacent. So I agree with you on that point. I would say right. the next big thing that nobody's talking about that everyone's underestimating, truthfully, is uh, EXP. EXP sure. is going to be the single biggest game changer. And, and again, if you don't agree, let's debate it. But in my opinion, EXP Realty is going to be the single biggest game changer that our industry, at least in my uh, professional career, which is you know basically the same amount of time as yours, that it's ever experienced. I don't think there's anything that's come along, not Keller Williams, not Remax, not not any of the technology companies, nothing that's going not even uh, even to a certain as far as influence on agents. What's good? What benefits agents directly? You know, nothing benefits agents as much as EXP. I've never seen anything like it. It completely blows me away. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, hundred percent. It's um, it is. It's like it's nothing I've ever seen. It's nothing I ever dreamed. Um, I didn't see it coming. I, I thought that I was paying close attention to what's going on in the industry, and this thing came out of nowhere. And they, they nailed the business model. And, and it's, you, you know, you know, I mean, you can't ignore, and this is, this is high-level talk for people that may not be, be thinking this way, but you, you know something, you know the business model is right when you see the kind of growth you're seeing. There's something right. They nailed the business model. Like when you lay, break it down to the principles and you look at the business model of how this company is growing and why it's growing and all the fundamental principles within that model, it is, um, it, it's, it's hard to ignore how brilliant um, you know, Glenn Sanford is. Definitely. Well, that, see that – okay, so in a condensed version, we had been um, pursued by EXP for five or six years in one form or another. And just wanted to be on our podcast. They wanted to, you know, let so-and-so from EXP wanted to be on the podcast. And we always pushed them away. And my mind, and I was 100% wrong, was I was like, oh, I don't want to No, that's an MOM. Oh, no, I don't like, I don't get the whole virtual campus thing. I had all of this misinformation that I was uh, basing my own decision-making uh, on, which was wrong. And then it, they invited us to go to a live EXP event that was down somewhere near Austin, and we went. And I had never been to an event before like that real estate-wise in terms of how normal agents are benefiting from a business model, from a brokerage model. I've never seen anything like it before. Everyone talks about, oh, I want to be part of this brokerage because of this, that, and the other thing. But really, brokerages, for the most part, are fungible. They're the same. They offer the same thing. They offer the same benefits mm -hmm. to the agent. The biggest difference is EXP. And so when you're around a bunch of agents who are benefiting in multiple ways, making money from multiple ways because they're associated with their brokerage, and they're finally feeling financially secure, and you have conversations mm -hmm. with, these, with people where they have this sense of relief, the monkey that's, that was on their back, that was omnipresent, that was weighing them down, you know, it isn't there anymore. At least it's starting to leave their backs. And when you're around people like that, I don't know. I've never experienced anything like it outside of going to church, which I need to start going to right. again so yep. I can stop swearing. Right. Yes. <laughs> I mean, so, right. but 
right? But as far as EXP goes, like why would why does an agent what are the what are the obvious benefits to an agent say virtual compared to their current brokerage model? And because again, I think most of the brokerages are virtually the same. Why would someone join EXP? What have, what have you seen from the people you know number, who you've coached that join yeah, EXP? Yeah, the number the number one reason that 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 I see people joining is is alignment. And in all honesty, the business model it, it allowed the kind of alignment for people that are extremely successful real estate agents to now actually focus on helping other people grow their business in ways that we've never been willing to do before because there was no financial alignment. And when you get top talented people to want to help you and to be financially uh, rewarded for helping you grow your business, and really ultimately your opportunity at EXP is your also re your responsibility. So if I, if I was to sponsor you at EXP, it's, it's my responsibility to help you be successful, and you're also my opportunity. Um, that kind of alignment is what is what I believe is why all the top producers and all of the top you know, producing teams and all the big independents are coming to EXP is they, they there's a revenue opportunity that never existed before and and it focuses their time on helping other agents in the company become successful and that's you know I think that's the big piece so there's there's a ton of there's there's more than that in the in the model that's that's making agents come join the company. There's the stock. Obviously, it's a publicly traded company. You get stock awards for doing the things you're already doing. You're going to sell a house every year. You sell a house at EXP, you get some stock. You bring a friend to your company today, you get a you know a Starbucks card, you bring an agent to EXP, you get revenue share, and you get some stock uh, for when they close their first deal. You you get your cap, which is a, uh, one of the lowest caps, not the lowest. There's always you know more people. You know, there's always companies that charge less, but sixteen thousand is is the cap, which is more than reasonable for the value they provide. And, and the technology and everything that comes with it, which we should talk about as well, because I think that's a Definitely. huge thing that keeps people from being successful is they don't have the money to go buy the technology they need to manage their lead gen and prospecting and everything else. Um, but that's that's a huge um, – it, it's a huge opportunity for someone to – if you're going to be in real estate, I don't know anybody that says they're going to be in real estate less than 10 years, and, and most of them longer than that. So if you're going to be in real estate for the next 10 years and you have the ability to earn – and you can earn the $16,000 cap that you – that you paid in, you can earn that back in stock in the company, um, you know, and they're just rewarding the agents to help them grow the company and um, in, in more than one way that we've never seen done before, right? So it's just something that's hard to compete with if you're in other brokerage, um, and they're able to do it because of the, the unique way that they formed in a, you know, cloud-based brokerage, no different than what you see, um, you know, taking over other industries. They, they found a way to disrupt the brokerage industry. And um, and it's it's fascinating, man. Every day I look at him like, geez, man, he really did figure this out. It really is that brilliant. Well, I, so I have been interviewing. Um, we've been interviewing a lot of, you know, just we do one interview a week, right? And more and more right. of these top producers that I'm interviewing, some of these people I've known is, you know, forever, they're switching over from whatever company they're worth over to EXP. And I always ask them, you know, you are with XYZ real estate company forever. You're known as being the dominant XYZ agent in that particular market. Why is it you switch to EXP? And they always go back to everything you just said, but the, what they really drilled down on, these are people at the top of the mountain. They drill down on the fact that they can make multiple – it creates multiple sources of income for them. In other words, in essence, they make uh, – they're actually making money from being an EXP agent. It's not about what they're paying their broker. It's about what their broker pays them. Is that an overstatement? No, it's not at all. Not at all. Um, it, and it's it, – you know, again, you know, people talk about, well, I'm not – you know, the revenue share thing, you know, I'm not really interested in recruiting. And 
da 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 and and it really they call it agent attraction for a reason because the minute somebody moves over, I don't care if you've been in the business at all for very long. There's people that know you and they have respect for you usually, right? And the bigger you are and the bigger influence you are, the more people that follow you, watch you, and when they see you make the move, they've been thinking about it, but they just they reach out to you and they ask questions. And so, you know, this 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 revenue share thing is really just a natural progression of you know, mega agents moving over, a lot of people that they have respect for them, reach out to them, they tell them, and they show them the business model that they haven't seen. Everybody thinks they know the model. You guys, if you asked 100 agents if they knew the, the EXP business model, they would all say yes, and they would all be wrong. Even if they watch the video, they're not getting it. They don't understand it. And, there's, you know, you have to take the time to research it and really look deep if you want to truly understand what that opportunity is. And I think most people just haven't done that. No, that's true. And a lot of – well, so – Here's, let's talk about specifically the revenue share. And if you can do it in a form of a story, do you know of anyone you could like? Because I've done a bunch of yeah. interviews, and I could kind of tell they've yeah. told their own stories. But I know you've, you know, you're having in your own coaching, you've run across the National Association of Real Estate Advisors. You've come across a lot of people that have switched. Why are people talk about yeah. the revenue share? Talk about what you're seeing yeah, people so I experience. Had, I had a guy. I, so I had a guy um, that that called me up, and he'd watched one of the interviews I'd done that's on YouTube or whatever. And he said, he goes, his name's Dan Hillsman, great guy. And he, he said, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, making a move and, you know, just wanted to, you know, understand some more. He had some questions about EXP and this, that, and the other. And he was asking me a lot of questions about the technology that was being offered because he was paying $1,000 a month at the time for a commission zinc site. And he was wanting to make sure that, you know, I'm going to get something that's, you know, like what I got. And um, at the time, they were offering commissions, Inc., and, and fully supporting that and um, also KB Core, both of them you got when you joined EXP. You got two. Um, today, I think, I'm not 100% sure, I think they still will offer K, uh, the Sync site, but I don't know if they support it. I know they heavily support the, the KB Core site. But, and all, all the same, they're basically, they all do the same functionality, features, you know, features are a thing. Um, so anyways, you know, he was really like, he was looking at the thousand bucks he was going to save. That was why he was going to come over. He's like a $3 million producer. And he said, you know, this revenue share thing sounds really nice, but, you know, I'm not real sure about it. And then he kind of got more excited about the revenue share. He called me again a month later, and, you know, over the course of a couple months, we talked several times, and he finally said, "You know what, Jay? I really, I really, you know, I really like you. I think, you know, I think you could help me with my business, and and I'm I'm pretty sure that I'm gonna make a move." So he moves over, and um and he started asking me more questions about revenue share. The next thing, you know, he said, "Hey, man, you know my broker is a real nice guy, you know, and and um you know while, while I'm leaving, you know, I, you know I, I kind of want to show him the business model because I think he would be really good if he came over and if he you know if he gets it." I said, "Well, tell him this," and he told him, "You know, hey, you know, I think I'm about leaving." He said, "Well, before you leave." You know, at least sleep on it. And he said, okay, well, watch this video and poke some holes in it. Tell me what I'm missing here, right? And so the broker watches it. Broker ends up coming with him. And he ends up, he ends up getting phone calls from all these other agents in the company when he, when he left. And he ended up putting them on the phone with me, like one after another. And I, I, just, we would, I would say, watch this video. Get on a call with me. And we did that for, for, weeks, for weeks and weeks and weeks at a time. Long story short, short, the guy's got, I think, um, somewhere in his revenue share, tree or you know somewhere between 75 and 100 i haven't really looked but you know that's that's a, a large number of people he told people he told people he told people and he is ecstatic he's blown away by you know his passive income that's paid paid for i'm not going to give exact numbers but it's paid for all of his personal expenses his house his cars his, his, you know his you know all of his basic needs are met now in less than a year and not not because he focused on recruiting, but because he said, "Hey, yeah, I can put you on the phone with the guy that can help you, you know, help you answer your questions." And am I willing to do that all day? I would absolutely help him because those people are. I get the revenue share off of them too. So it's a it's 
it's unique, and everybody that says, you know, I don't think I'm going to focus on revenue share, the minute they get a little bit of revenue share, they're like, well, how do I do some more of this? And, you know, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a real it's a promise made and a promise kept by the company. It's not like profit share where you don't know if it's if the if it's going to be there because you don't know if the if, if the company's going to be profitable. It's revenue share. This is a, I tell them this is the deal Mr. Wonderful always does. Okay, if you if you're getting the same deal as Mr. Wonderful, you know you're winning. Because Mr. Wonderful's deal, he'll do anybody a deal where he gets a royalty off the top. You know what I'm saying? And let's look, yep. let's look at who look at let's look at who else is getting revenue share off the top. Hmm. What is that three thousand dollars fee that Gary Keller gets um, off the top of every agent? The hundred and uh, whatever it is. How many of her hundred sixty thousand agents? Half uh, five hundred. What is it? Five hundred million dollars a year off the top that goes to Gary Keller. Man, kudos to Gary. He's getting revenue share. He's smart. That's, it's a good deal if it comes off the top because you know you're going to get it. And that's what revenue share is at EXP. It's real simple. And the only reason it's even there, like for those that want to talk, call it an MOM, the only reason it's there is because in this model, there's not an actual there's – not, there's not a regional or a, or a franchisee that is responsible for growing the company. So Gwen had to figure out a way to get uh, agents to want to recruit to the company. Let's just reward these agents for helping us grow the company. Hey, that's a pretty good deal. We all kind of like that. So it's just, you know, it's just a different business model. People are a little bit afraid of it because they maybe don't understand it, but it's, it was brilliant. And it's been incredible for a lot of people, including Dan Hilsman, who now is in a place that he, you know, after being in business 15 years, you know, if he wants to go sell real estate, he can, but he doesn't have to. Well, we've had other people we've interviewed, and listeners, you can go back and listen where they're telling their own stories, and they're kind of shedding light on how much they're getting from revenue share, and he's not understating how amazing some of the – and it really – I like what you said, too. It's really about uh, – and again, this is the same story I've heard over and over again. Even if it's a normal agent that moves over, someone that's not – you know, maybe they're selling – Three million, four million, or even two million. They're always going to have people ask them uh, questions because everyone seems to be exp curious, as I like to say. And when they're yeah, exp yep. curious, they'll yeah. And by the way, listeners, uh, he mentioned the video. If you want to watch this video, I found um, a quick, easy way for you to do it. Just text the word exp exp to three one nine nine six. There's no way not all of you are curious right now about the revenue share. Right. It's ex <laughs> it's explained partially. All you've got to do is text the word exp to three one nine nine six. So let me ask you a question. Is the revenue yeah. share this is this is of course what the dissenters say. The revenue share is not sustainable. There's no way it can actually continue. It's a bad business model. There's no way it's actually gonna work. This is kinda like, you know, this is like a lot of the the competitors for EXP, the companies that are losing the biggest uh, number of agents to EXP, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to piss in the well. What's the answer to that? Yeah, so, I mean, it, the, the bottom line is, you know, you can look at the cash flow. People want to, you know, I had somebody today ask me, um, they were at EXP, and they didn't know how to how to handle this objection that someone said, yeah, well, if you look, the company's not profitable. So, well, that's, you know, maybe look a little bit closer, because if you read the 10K, you would understand, if you know how to read a 10K, that they're actually, they've been, you know, quite successful and profitable in the, at least the last year in terms of the um, increase in cash to $21 million in the bank. You don't put $21 million in the bank unless you're getting loans, which they have none of, um, or you have, um, you have a cash flow positive business. So, you know, I think that's, a, you know, it's, it's kind of an ignorant thing to say when they, if you don't understand it and you wanted to say, oh, it's not, it's not sustainable. Well, it's been pretty sustainable. And also, my, by the way, in the fastest growth um, company ever in history, most companies are not profitable at all, and they're not expected to be. But this company has been massively profitable despite that. So, like, when you really unpack it and look at the numbers and look at what's being paid out of revenue share and you look at what the operating costs of the company are, 
there are a few things that that are getting tweaked that I know of, and I can't. I don't know if this would be insider trading or not. I just happen to know of things that are going to make make the company massively more profitable that are in the works. Um, um, and I I have zero question as to whether or not it's sustainable or not. The other pieces are we haven't even added mortgage or title to the company's business model. Um, all the other ancillary income streams that you could have as a brokerage. Uh, from a coaching, you know, uh, arm or whatever the case may be. There's so many ways that this company can add revenue um, that it's 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 silly um, to think that it's not sustainable. It's just it's ignorant is what it is. So you and I are not going to certainly talk about share share value or whatnot. But I'll, so I had an interesting call with someone this morning who was just professing up and down that the you know uh, you know this is this was somebody emailed me wanted to ask a question was comparing brokerages and all that, and he had he was with a current company that basically had talking points to talk down the XP and it was oh the stock the this and the other thing and I said listen I'm not smart enough educated enough or really uh, you know I don't have enough experience to be able to tell you to to absolutely say what you're saying is true do you and and then he said well I mean do you have a Harvard MBA have you studied their K1 have you actually talked with someone about studying all their public filings have you read all the you know all the other things and he said no I said why don't you do that and do your own homework opposed to just being brainwashed by somebody who obviously has an right. agenda with you not having an open mind to EXP. And that's what I told him. And he said he would do it. Man, and that's, great advice. That's, great. Well, that's but, great advice. But it's the truth, right? You, you say that again. I hope everybody heard that. Like, what you, it is the truth. And it's, it's, it's exactly what it is. It's seeking truth. Instead of allowing someone to convince you, us, don't, don't listen to us. Don't believe us. Do, do your own research. Ask questions. And seek truth, right? Just seek what, what do you think is true. Determine on your own what you think is true. And I think that's, that's the best advice you could ever give someone because you don't want to just believe us because we're excited about it. What if we were wrong? You don't want to believe – just like you don't want to believe somebody who's trying to poo-poo on it because they, they want you to stay where you're at or they have an agenda or a reason why they don't want you to you know, – to, to, They're trying to, to play into your feet. fear, basically. They're trying to play into your fear. And it gets, it right. gets back to why you originally got into the business. In, you know what? Actually, Jay, this is a good pivot. You mentioned rental properties. You mentioned buying rental properties. Julie and I certainly you know, bought a ton of rental properties. If you had <laughs> – I'll be interested in what you say about this. If you knew about eXp when you first got your license, Okay, and you had the opportunity to build your brokerage around all the revenue creating streams that EXP has created for you, created for agents in general. Would you have been that gung ho buying rental properties? No, hands down. Hell no. How about that? Hands down. No, no. My my, I have I have four story rental property stories for days, and you know I've never I've never in any month. I've, and again, I bought them all in Lot in Oklahoma, which is part of the problem. There's just not an appreciation there, and the market's just not that great for rental property. But you know, I mean, it's you know, there's never a positive number. I mean, it, for as long as I've been doing it, and as much of them were paid off, I I never could turn a month where things were just massively profitable with my rental properties. Um, and I was accelerating the you know paying down the debt. But it was um, it was not a giant wealth creator for me, and um, you know I would never I, I probably would not have I know I know I would I'm not, I know I wouldn't there's just no way um, yeah I'll, I'll, I, let I, me I put numbers agree. let me put numbers to it and I shared this before but this is really true so Julie and I have been buying rental we've been married for almost thirty years this year we've been buying buying been buying rental properties for the last almost thirty years okay we bought our first house when we were still in college. So if you want to buy a rental property now, we have them in North Carolina, Nevada, Ohio, uh, Texas. So if you want to buy a rental property now, listeners, just listen to me. You can crash the numbers and 
try to spreadsheet me wrong to your blue in the face, but here's the bottom line. <laughs> to buy to buy a nice rental property in a nice area, it's going to cost you about 175 grand in most of the country. After you pay it off, if you're writing a check, which none of you are, but if you were to, because now you're going to say, well, Tim, I want leverage, I want all that. Well, then my numbers aren't going to work for you because you're not going to have any profit. But let's assume you're writing a check for 175 grand. After you pay all the associated costs with having that property, with what rents are in most of the United States right now, you're going to net around 850 to $900 a month. So on that 175 grand, assuming it's rented, assuming there are no repairs, assuming the tenant pays, assuming all the other things that go with it, you're, that's what you're going to make about $900 a month. So for 900 times 12, Jay, what is that? $10,800. So you're going to have yep. to, for, for you to make $10,800, about uh, 11 grand a year, best case scenario, it's going to take you 170, how long is it going to take for you to buy enough of those rental properties to make it so that you have enough passive income so that your passive income is producing enough uh, revenue so that you no longer have to work. Remember the definition of rich, guys, and use this because it makes life easier, is where your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money. So if you have enough passive income coming in every month that you don't have to go out and hunt for, you are technically rich. Okay? So buying the rental properties, which is the normal path that, you know, poor and moderately poor people take to try to accumulate wealth in this country, aside from a rich uncle dying, that's pretty much the, you know, the surefire path forward. If you put pen to paper and you figure out how many rental properties you'll actually need for you to make it so you're living off the positive cash flow from those rental properties, I promise you, for most of you, it's going to be about three times as many as you think when you factor in all the, you know, the crap that Jay alluded to, the vacancies, the damn. I mean, Julie and I are coming home from dinner the other day, and she, we had this nice little conversation. I see her checking your phone, and somebody basically said their basement flooded, and God knows what else happened, and there went the evening. I mean, you know, six thousand dollars worth of repairs <laughs> that we weren't expecting. It's like, yay, you know. Yeah. I mean, fair. so this is so the income spokes that that EXP creates for an agent. Can we talk about that? The ways that EXP let, pays let me, agents. Let me give- let me give like the context to what what you're saying there, so they can truly understand the math. Thank you, sir. If you it, let's say if it's twenty, let's say you let's say so basically that's a thousand dollars a thousand dollars a month. And if you can live off of um, if you bought ten houses, you're living off of ten thousand dollars a month. But you need one point seven five million dollars worth of worth of uh, after tax cash to pay off those properties. You know, if you're going to finance it, you're, we're going to zero you out. You ain't making any profit. Okay, so this ain't going to work for you if you think that's the only right. way you're going to get there. But if you if you, if you truly had um, you know the 1.75, and I think most of us would say, well, I need to live on at least 20,000, which would be 20 properties you need. That's three and a half million. How much real estate do you have to have to net after tax three and a half million after your living experience expenses? Do the math on how many years that's going to be from now. When I did the math on this, and I did for myself before I moved to EXP. Because I looked at the company that I had that was doing ten million dollars a year and netting one and a half million, split that between me and Mike, do the math. I'm living on, you know, I'm basically after tax at four hundred fifty thousand uh, in income, and I live on whatever I live on, and I have that much whatever's left to invest. How many years would it take me? And when I did the math, what I accomplished in six months at EXP um, would have taken me twenty four years to do if I just continuing down the path I was on, if I wasn't open minded and looked at it. That was the that was the true math. That's when I realized, holy moly, there's nothing in the world like this. 
Well, a thousand percent, but here's what I also take into consideration, and it honestly does make me feel sort of emotional to say this, but I think about all the time and all the effort that Julie and I put into buying our dozens of rental properties, the money that we had to earn, the extra bullshit we had to put up with. It, guys, it's not just everyone talks about the clogged toilets and all that. No, it's about the money that you had to earn in the first place to buy them. Oh, the tenant paid them off. If that's the model you're following, you're never going to make cash flow from them. You're following a fake model. Oh, it'll be paid off by the time I retire. Well, okay, if that's it, if you basically want to work until you're you know, 70 years old and you think you're going to want to manage 10 properties, then I kind of doubt it, but whatever. So the thing that's about EXP, and this is the reason uh, we haven't even talked about number three, but this is the reason I think it's the most influential, important, under-talked uh, under about, going to be the most explosive thing in the history of agents because it really benefits individual agents. Everybody, every broker I've ever coached for, ever spoken to, ever, ever, has always said, oh, we're in the agent business. No, not really. You're not in the agent business. That's not really true. If you're in the agent business, wouldn't you have formed a model like EXP where you were actually right. trying to help them have a financial future? That's not – you're not in the – EXP is in the agent business. I mean, Gary Keller, again, I think one of the you know most – just amazing person – He's no longer in the real estate business. In his own words, he's in the technology business. Yep. You know, the, yep. the industry the industry has shifted. Listeners, and I know a lot of you guys are, like, going to be fighting us, looking, oh, Tim and DJ have a hidden agenda, and we have all these other things. Look, do your own damn homework. Do your own research. And ask where you – look, Jay's 43. I'm 49. Ask yourself where you want to be when you're 10 years younger than Jay or when right. you're my age or you're five years older than me, ask yourself how, given your existing tools, are you going to get to the point where you're financially free? How are you going to do it? You're not going to be able to buy enough rental properties. You're not going to be able to get them cash flowed. You're not going to find a home run on a multifamily. You're not going to – look, there is no big eagle that ever flies over and drops enough money on your backyard that you don't have to work anymore. That just doesn't happen. So if you're going to deal with reality, you have to look – this is the reason I'm excited about this model – because it really does help agents in such a profound way because it gives them something that most agents never have, which is a true North Star and how to create financial independence. That, to mm -hmm. me, is unbelievably exciting. How about you? Yeah. It, it, and it's so early, right? Like It's such a big yeah. opportunity that I just can't believe more people don't see it. I just It blows my mind that people just go back to their regular selling houses and don't even think about it. The ones, the few that do, the people that get it, you get it. You, you get you know, EXP insomnia, and you can't stop thinking about it. You, know you, you like, get it in your head. You, know, you can't get it out because once you, you yeah. saw, you said this, Jay. I heard you say that. Once yeah. you see it, you can't unsee it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 That's it, the truth. Because you, because you, if you take the time to do the research, which you did and I did, and anybody who is is serious about the rest of their life and what how they want to spend it. Um, their time, effort, and energy. Um, they do the, they do the, the, they do the homework. And if you do it, you're gonna have a hard time sleeping until you get to talk to someone like us to help you get, you know, get clear on how to take advantage of it. I know what you're thinking. You're very curious, especially now that you're learning more about the revenue share model that EXP offers. Go ahead and text the word EXP to 31996. Just go ahead and do that now. Just text the word EXP to 31996. And we'll text you back a quick video that explains everything you need to know about EXP in just a quick seven-minute video. And we'll also give you access to having additional questions answered. So while you're thinking about it, go ahead and text the word EXP to 31996 
Do that now, EXP31996. Text the word EXP to 31996. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a hard question, okay? You knew about this as long as I did. You've known about EXP for as long as I did. You only really started to show, to get involved uh, about a year ago. Why did you delay? You must have been a skeptic. You must have been ignoring it. Yeah. Why is it that it took you so long to come around? So so um, a couple of reasons. The, the first person that introduced me to it um, had zero – he had just zero influence, and, and I just I, – I passed it off as it, it was not – it was nothing – because I'd never heard of it at all. The one thing that I did walk away thinking was this guy was so excited about his stock that he was showing me on his phone and that I, I, I said, you have to, whatever business model we move forward with has to have ownership. That was my big takeaway from the, from the conversation. I did not even look at the business model. I, my takeaway was just the importance of having ownership and how that guy was a raving fan of the company over, over some stock. And so that was my one takeaway. Then six months later, um, Actually, Chris Waters, who's a, a, a former client of ours in Austin, Texas, number one agent in Austin. He's a beast, um, great guy. And he sends me a recording of him. Um, and actually, I think it was Glenn Sanford and I think the CFO and a few other people. And he was looking at the model and he forwarded it to me. Because of the business model we had as a brokerage, he thought that that would be something that, you know, we might be able to take and, you know, and kind of swipe and deploy into our model. So I listened to it. And I was like, I knew I saw something, but the timing wasn't right. I was in the middle of, we were doing partner. We had partners in Atlanta and in Dallas, and we were growing quickly with the, our business. And so I, I, I knew there was something there, but I didn't really, I just wasn't ready to look at it closer. I wish I had been uh, willing to do that, but I just didn't. And so the next time it came along, it was our number one client that was not going to be, you know, that was moving in a different direction than partnering with us with our model. It was one of our, my best friends and, and favorite people. And he said, man, I think you need to look at this. He's like, I'm going to probably move to EXP. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm pretty convinced. I want you to poke holes in it. Once you look at it, I was like, all right, I'll poke holes in this. You, you got it. You, you want me to poke holes in it? I'm going to poke holes in it. So then I really listened. I mean, I really, I listened twice as hard to that webinar. And, and I said, if these things are true, and these people are real, and this is real. These, I mean, like, it's, these people are real. Like, I, I had to believe in the leadership in the company. I had to believe that they had the capacity to build what they were, you know, tracking to be building because there was only, like, 4,000-something agents um, whenever I was introduced to it at this level. And so, I, you know, I had to believe in it. And um, once, I met, once I met everyone in the company and I realized, holy moly, these – they have, they have, they have it. They've got what it takes. They've got the right people around them. They've got the right infrastructure, the right business model, and and I, I, you know, it was, just, it was just we had to make it happen at that point. It was, but but I think it was my, it was partially my ego and my belief that I could be successful on my own that kept me from looking at it. Saying, that's it for me right there. That was it for me right, right. there. It was, that's right. it right there. You just said it, it was my ego. I didn't want to actually yep. believe that they come up with something that was just so. I don't. It was just it, the same screwed up thinking you had, my friend. <laughs> yep. 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 Right there. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Watch that ego. It'll get you. It'll get you. Yeah. But, even but when that, you that, think you. It's a testament yeah. to. It's a testament to how you know um, we 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 all have had to grow to a certain point, but it takes a lot for you when you're running a very successful business at a very high level to to be able to be open-minded enough to say, let me look at this with an open mind, which both of us had to do. And so, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm proud of myself at a certain degree that I didn't, you know, my, I didn't let the ego get the best of me, um, but it did take, you know, some, 
um, you know, the, I think the, the good Lord must have been looking over me at, at some level for me to be at the right time and the right place to be willing to look at it. And um, I, I, it was the best decision I've made in, in business, that's for sure. Well, you know what's crazy about it is that they – I think right now the report came out that they're closing in on 20,000 agents. Um, the biggest – they're like, what, the fourth or fifth largest brokerage in the world. Correct me if you know anything yep. things to be wrong what I'm saying. I mean I don't know all this. And uh, it's the fastest-growing brokerage in the history of the world basically. And you said it earlier, that many people – I mean obviously the model's proven itself out. Um, they have yet to exploit all the other parallels they get into, international, mortgage, all the other different mm-hmm. ways the company can make money, which bodes well for the value of the stock, but you and I are certainly not predictors of that. Right, so right. here's another interesting little question I get, So, or I've seen people debating. What is the value? Like, What does someone lose by not having a physical location? Do, broke, do, do consumers care if you don't have a physical office? Does it matter if no. it's a virtual brokerage? No, and no, the consumer doesn't care at all. They, they, just like they don't no. care if there's balloons on your sign or if it's red or if it's blue or if it's gold. <laughs> the consumer doesn't care. The consumer doesn't care at all. They care about nope. you being able to deliver on the promise you're making to help them with the buying or selling. Yeah, that's it. That's the bottom line. All right, so is, is EXP a good fit for new agents? Say someone's just getting their license. Yeah, there's, um, there's, a, there's a couple, and yes, yes and no. I would say yes if you are a self-starter and you're willing to open your emails, go into the training, you know, um, do the things that are necessary for you to learn the, the things that you need to learn. And I do think there's one other thing that's an important ingredient. And, and you know, they have a great mentor program at EXP that I think is extremely valuable. Um, and actually, as I went through, like, because I, I, my son, he got in, you know, he went through the mentor program, um, and it was really good. Like, I thought I had a pretty good program for, like, new agents on our team and stuff like that. And as I was reading through it, I was like, man, this is really thorough. Um, so I think there's a really good um, mentor program in place that will help agents um, to onboard, but it's going to be dependent upon that mentor too. And so, you know, if you if you have a good mentor, I think it's going to be a good experience for you. If you have a mentor that's not so good, it could be difficult. But that goes both ways, right? You know, part of the process in that the way they measure this, which I was super – excited about how smart they are when they put this together. It's kind of like Uber. You can rate the driver or you can rate the rider, right? Well, you can rate the mentor or you also rate the agent because if the agent doesn't show up and they're not doing their part and not doing the things that are being asked of them, then, yeah, they're going to be unsuccessful, just like 80% of all real estate agents to get into business. But I don't think EXP is going to change the fact that 8 out of 10 real estate agents get get into business are going to get out of the business in the first year. Um, that's, you know, that's going to be um, – a difficult thing to fix, in my opinion, and I don't know that that's going to ever be Well, that's be an industry-wide statistic. Let's, you, you said that right. quick. And I actually wrote this down. I was going to say this earlier. Actually, I'm hoping you know the statistic so I don't have to Google it. But I think it was a NAR statistic that said in two years, 80% of all the houses sold will be sold by people who have yet to get their real estate licenses. I don't remember yeah. if it's two years or if it's three years. That's the part I'm sketchy on. But I do remember the yeah. 80, 80% part. So that's an important statistic for people to remember. And I'll say right. it again, again. Don't hold, if I'm wrong about the two years. So what? It still makes the point. In two years, eighty percent right. of all the houses will be sold by people who have yet to get their real estate licenses. I heard a great podcast today. I listened to Joe Rogan, and they were talking about yeah. the fact that um, you know all this automation and this AI is going to make a bunch of people lose jobs and the other and they're da 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 da. Well, guess where those people are largely going to go? A lot of them are going to get real estate licenses. So yep, for you yep. to think, for anyone to not see the tremendous opportunity that isn't real, so you all probably do see that, that being an agent is probably the best opportunity that there is available unless you have a bunch of startup money, unless you want to you know, buy a Chick-fil-A or something crazy like that, which you know, I don't know why you'd want to compared to selling real estate. 
But if you combine that with being an EXP agent and you look at the different ways that they pay you versus your, you know, what you pay your broker, that really does change the, the game plan. So you can make money selling real estate. You make money hypothetically off the stock. You make money off hypothetically off the rev share. If you hit icon status, they, you don't actually – you get your stock – you get your, your uh, cap back in the form of uh, EXP stock. I mean, and, and they support you so much through the technology. Like, if you go down the checklist of what it would be to create the perfect brokerage, you said this earlier. I mean, Glenn literally must have had a checklist, <laughs> and he must have said, right. "Okay, got that one done, got that one done." There's, there's no real comparables. There's no other brokerage out there that's offering. Here's, here's another thing I hear sometimes when. So we get Jay, the number one question, number two maybe we get from our podcast because it's got so many listeners is we get, what brokerage should I choose, or when do I know it's time to ch uh, change brokerages? I know you've talked a lot about that, but I'm curious, when you have someone who's asking you what brokerage they should consider, and you're telling them EXP, but they're in a part of the country where there's not a lot of EXP agents yet, what do you tell them? I mean, how can they get their minds around the fact that they don't see outside of their own little world and the fact that there's not e EXP hasn't really hit their market yet? How do you help those people to see the opportunity? Right. Yeah, I think um, I think for a, a lot of people in those in that scenario, it's an it's a huge opportunity. And if if they're mm -hmm. if they're not an if they're an influencer, it's a huge opportunity. And I, I you know I treat that with um, the utmost urgency because the, you know if you're the first in a marketplace and it's small and you, there's not anybody that's an influencer that's joining, and there's a very few of those markets left. But if there is, it's a huge thing because everybody knows about it and they're just waiting for that one person they have respect for to join. And then it's, it's like a snowball going down the hill after that. So, like, that's a huge opportunity. If you're a newer agent in that marketplace, you know, I don't think that necessarily matters as much. Um, you know, you obviously have the ability. But if you're a newer agent, you're probably not going to go out and recruit a bunch of influencers um, right out of the gate. So I don't think it necessarily matters. Um, it doesn't matter to the consumer. And so it doesn't, you know, the systems that EXP has is going to train you or it's not going to train you. And, you know, either you have a good mentor that you, you know, have um, that can help you um, or you don't. And I think you want to make that decision based on, you know, um, feeling comfortable with, you know, the people that are going to be supporting you as far as uh, your mentor and their upline. I think that's an important consideration. Well, and also they have, you know, you let's just be a little self-serving here, Mr. Kinder. I mean, you don't have – you can join, you know, our coaching program or Jay's National – tell them, you know, tell them about the website and whatnot. So you guys – you can get education outside of BXP, but the reality of it is is that for those of you getting started – um, there is a ton of information that's available on their website and their virtual campus and all of that. And it just, look, I'm going to go back to what Jay and I were in such adamant agreement about it a second ago. Set aside what you hear from us. Set aside even that you feel excited and motivated by what we're talking about, because I know you do. Set aside what you did hear or didn't hear or did watch on YouTube or didn't hear from – it doesn't matter. Do your own research. You cannot rely on other people to make decisions for you. This is too mm -hmm. important of a decision. Decision. This is too critical. This is your future. This is your family's future. And look, Jay said it right. This is this company is just getting started, which goes back to the reason why I think it's the second biggest, most influential thing ever uh, that's mm -hmm. going to be at what everyone's talking about in 12 months, but everyone should be talking about now. So the easy button way for you to learn more about this company, your first step is just text the word EXP to 31996. Jay, do you have another little bit of time so we can talk about maybe what number three is as far as the biggest thing yeah. that everyone's going to be understanding? Yes, okay. Yep. I, I have a, this is on everyone's mind, and I have opinions on this, and I'm sure you do too. So what I mean, we talked about Zillow's getting into the iBuyer space. We touched on the whole iBuyer thing as point number one. 
how it's going to sort of transform the expectations that consumers have for agents and the services we offer. I think that's largely true. What do you think Zillow's next move is? Where do you think Zillow is going to be? Like, where is it that they're going to be in 12 months that people are underestimating or maybe overestimating? Yeah, so, yeah, great question. And, and I know a couple of agents that, that landed the account of Zillow moving into um, new markets, like in Florida. I know who, who landed mo- most of the big cities in Florida. I don't know if they're going to take over all of them. And, and the, I know what the margins are on that opportunity and what they're paying and, and, and what they're offering the agents. It's going to be helping. Can you helping. talk? Can you tell, share the numbers um, if you can? I, I think I can. Um, they're offering basically $1,000 when Zillow makes the purchase. They're offering um, to pay 1% on the relist of those properties, which is going to really help the um, agent build a huge presence in the marketplace because they're talking about buying 1,000 homes in Florida next year, which is a small piece of the pie when you really think about all the homes that are going to sell in Florida. But um, but it's an aggressive move, and the, and the reason that they're wanting to work with a real estate agent, in my perspective, is because they, they don't know that their data analysts got it right, which I can tell you from experience. I can go look at the Zillow price of my house and tell you that they're going to fuck this up if they, if they don't have somebody in the marketplace helping them. So there's an opportunity there for that agent, but think of how small that is. You get 1000 bucks on the purchase, and there's not much margin in that in terms of the per, you know the person's in the paper. Um, and they're doing thousands of CMAs on top of all that just to get offers out it's, there. It's and the REO model. Them. That's what it is. Right. This, exactly it's the it REO is. model. Yeah. I mean, yep, basically, exactly the bank, they're, they're copying what the banks did, basically, back in the, in the, in the foreclosure crisis. It's exactly what Jay is describing is exactly what they're, they're mimicking with how they're basic. And actually, the banks paid more than the $1,000 per unit. The banks actually yep. – I didn't know the commission – I didn't know the fee was that low. Holy crap. Mm-hmm. Right. So on the purchase, there's not a whole lot to do, um, but but you have all the you know all of the CMAs and everything you got to do on all these properties. And they're trying to figure out, okay, if it's close enough within this margin of what we think it is and what you think it is, then you know there's probably some type of grade that you get for getting that right. Um, and then you know they make they make the purchase and then they relist it. You get to use your brand and it's going to have some type of a Zillow sign in the yard. And then, you know they've done this in Vegas already and a couple other markets. Mm-hmm. So that's going to continue. That's going to continue to happen. I, you know, I've always, I've always questioned. I'd love to hear your perspective on this because, you know, I, I've always heard. And, and now that we've got, uh, you know, the, the founder back in the driver's seat there, um, you know, you know, I wouldn't, you know, you know, we know what he did with Expedia. I don't think he really cares about real estate agents. And I feel like in his oh, last, hell no. you know, his last, uh, his last hell conversation no. uh, uh, publicly was pretty, uh, pretty clear that he's coming, at, he's coming at us for our money. Um, <laughs> well, I've been saying all along was going to happen. Yeah. Totally. But, I mean, but, well, what, duh, so, right? So do you what, so do you think so so the argument that people used to always tell me was well Zillow Zillow's valuation is based on which is, you know it's based on it being a media company which is kind of kind of funny anyways because they never could figure out how to monetize the leads that that's really what their problem was uh, different than anybody else but you know they you know now they've got this huge revenue stream that you know seems to be like the 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 you know the the big golden egg for them in buying buying these properties and that's where they're going to make money. Um, I, you know, I see them getting into real estate. A lot of people say they wouldn't because it would kill their valuation. What's your opinion on that? Um, so I think that they know they never. Well, I know this for I know this from conversations I had uh, years ago before Spencer was named the CEO. By the way, Spencer had to have been the best CEO, one of the best CEOs in the history of real estate because he was so good at working amongst the different factions that were in real estate. The guy was just. I mean, there it is. But I remember talking with him, and he, he back when he was talking to me, he actually gave me the suggestion that we should refer to our coaching company as a media company, which is interesting. It's media syndication were his exact words, 
which, you know, was interesting for the sake of getting a good valuation at the time we were thinking about selling our company, which we never did. But back to your point, they never intended to get into the selling leads business. The selling leads business was the backup to the backup. The original business plan is what you're seeing now. They just didn't have the mechanism to actually get into it. And now that they do, yep. they are absolutely have in the word, and you'll remember this word, Jay, back from the 90s, is disintermediation. Everyone write that down. Mm -hmm. And if you have a, if you, you know, etymologize that thing to bits, and you'll soon discover that disintermediation means that you're going to remove the middleman. All of the people mm -hmm. that are involved in Zillow are only interested in disintermediation, and that's what they're going to do. When you hear somebody listing a house for 1000 bucks, do you think over time, listeners, that $1,000 is going to increase with inflation or decrease? Because Zillow is <laughs> going to be able to say, if you piss us off, we're going to give that account to somebody else. Or if you piss us off, we're going to split your account and give it to five different people. So what you're going to see is that fee is going to get driven down and down and down. And that brokerage that took these accounts, who's sitting on the top of the mountain right now, thinking he's got the world by the short and, hairy, short and curlies, is going to realize that he's been reduced to, do you want fries with that? That's what I think. Mm -hmm. Now, how yep. is the industry going to compete against that business model? We are going to have to become very good at mimicking what the customer reacts to as far as the value proposition that all these iBuyer type companies offer. Okay, we're going to have to be very adept at knowing how to compete against it, but we're also going to have to offer something similar. The smart movers are already doing that. What influence yep. will Zillow's new strategy have? It really is going to be interesting to me to see how many consumers are willing to sell their houses for, on average, of 17% less than what they can get on the open market. There are always going to be people like I mean I I have personally never sold Julian I've never sold a personal house that we lived in while it was for sale. That would be a nightmare for me, and I know it's a nightmare for every consumer. So is the convenience mm -hmm. fee of selling your house and having a predictable move out is it worth 20% less? Now, it's worth 20% less in the parts of the country where people have 20% equity. Oh, there's something that people aren't talking about. It's worth 20% right. less if you basically have enough money in other buckets and other pockets that you won't miss that money that you're otherwise losing. So let's say arguably you're not losing 20%. Let's say your actual net versus had you listed the house in the open market is maybe 10% less. But if you're selling a $60,000 house, is the convenience worth $60,000, a $600,000 house? I don't think so. If you're selling a 350, I don't think. I mean, how hard is it to get price reductions? Go to your $350,000 seller and tell them you want to reduce the price by 35 grand and see what happens. <laughs> Right, right. So I'm not That's sure how big of a I'm not sure how big of a market they actually have, and especially if the housing market starts to level off, appreciation starts yeah. to slow down, people become a little bit more sketchy about all the their finances. People are going to be less likely to be willing to pay for the convenience of not having to house their house on the open market. I think that's the bottom line. That's what they're offering yep. is just convenience. It's like wholesaling your car versus basically, you know, putting it on consignment someplace or trying to sell it yourself. I mean, that's my that's yep. my perspective on the whole thing. Yep, 100%. That's great. I think that's I think it's great. I think you're spot on. The interesting thing about about this model is there there there's there's room there's not much room for them to make mistakes. So they come in and they make this <laughs> offer really convenient really fast which is, is what every consumer wants, right? Like if you tell me you'll buy my car for this price, you can tell me a price over the phone. I don't have to talk to you. I don't have to haggle with you, and you're just going to give it to me online. That, I'd like to know what that number is. And if I like that first number, I might engage with that. And they're smart enough to know that if they give you a good first number, then um, you're, they're at least going to engage in a conversation where they have the opportunity to become the go-to brand 
is if they nail that customer experience. If they nail it, they, it was exactly what they said it was. Uh, it, they did exactly what they promised. But when the market shifts, what's going to happen is they're going to put all these little fail states into that model to make sure that they have a way out or a way to you know make a lower offer based on inspection, which they already have these thing clauses in the contract and they're using them now. So it's always a lot less than what they promised. Um, and if they're you know if they mess that consumer experience up, they're dead. If they get it right, then you know then they're going to win. That's that's going to really be what it boils down to. If they nail that consumer experience with expectation, promise made, promise kept. Um, then it, you know, there's there's an opportunity for them, uh, but they aren't you know, to survive. They aren't. But, right. But they aren't. Right. They aren't. And 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 like there was a great article on Inman recently on how uh, Yelp no longer features any of the iBuyer reviews, and there were some uh, suggestions. Teak wrote that great article. There was, there was a little bit insider, you know, handshaking going on because so and so was on so and so's board, and Yelp had some. Blah, 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 blah. Read the article yourself. It was a great article. Yeah. Teak is my favorite author, favorite writer at. But aside from that, so the Yelp reviews for all these iBuyer companies were so scathing that the rumor is that there were some inside you know, deals made where the Yelp reviews for all these companies got pulled down. And what Jay is saying is really the bottom line. So for our industry, our industry has to be here's, – here's, here's where our industry is wrong, not seeing that the consumer was willing to pay that convenience fee. That's what I like to call it because it's easy to understand mm-hmm. it that way. Not seeing that they were willing to sell it for less and not offering that first. But do you really think the industry is not going to react? Well, they are reacting, and let's see what happens from it. From an individual's practitioner's perspective, how do you compete with an iBuyer company? You have to understand that ultimately what that consumer is paying for is that convenience, and the way for you to sell around that is maybe you have to mimic what they're doing. How can you do that? You get some investors that are willing to buy the house for the same price as what Zillow is willing to offer. Uh, that's not hard. In any marketplace in the country, you can go to an investor, Bob, and offer to sell him a house at you know, a 10 or 15% discount, and he's going to buy it. You just make an agreement that when he puts it back for sale, you list it with him. Maybe you take no right. commission on it. You just get it on the up leg. I mean, there's ways we can compete if we're not complacent and lazy. But Zillow knows that the industry is complacent and lazy because we've been stupid enough to give them our listing so that they can then sell the listing leads back to us. And, you know, the, the industry has proven its willingness to be dumb and complacent or and complicit in its own destruction. So that's the part right. of that, uh, that whole thing that gets me a little bit nervous. Will the um, industry no, actually yeah. – yeah, I mean, that's it. It's amazing we survived as long as we have doing the things we've been doing. <laughs> right? <laughs> hey, man, listen, no we went o- way over time. Is there anything you'd like to say to all the listeners out there? You Look, I, I really do. I, every time I talk to you, Jay, I love it. I just I love it. It's so Same much here. fun. Yeah, yeah we have a great time is, together. Man, we, do, we should do this once a week. It's great. Yeah, man, why love don't it, we? Look, no, all, all I would say I'm is, down. I think you said it best, man. You said it, you said it best. I think what you said, uh, you know, do your research, you know. Like that's the bottom line. If you do your research and, and come to your own conclusions, ask questions, um, get on the phone with people like you and me and people that are, are, are not, you know, that will give you honest answers uh, to your questions, I think you'll, you'll find that um, you know, there's an opportunity here for you to do something pretty special. Yeah, definitely, and you would then have a future that's not necessarily on the same path that you're on now. That's it. Do your own homework. Text the word EXP to 31996. Text the word EXP to 31996. Hey, Jay, I do believe this is my longest interview ever, and I don't think any of it was boring, so I appreciate that. Right on, man. Anytime. <laughs> hey, have a fantastic day, everyone. And uh, look, if you need, uh, if you want to reach out to Jay directly, Jay, do you mind giving your cell phone number? Yeah, no, you can reach out to me directly at 580 6404, or you can go to jkinder.me.com and you can uh, schedule a call with me. 
That's right. And listeners, if you want to watch the video that we are talking about, just a seven-minute video, just text the word EXP to 31996, and you literally will be texted a link to watch the video, no strings attached, completely from the safety of your own mobile phone, nobody breathing down your back. That's a great place for you to get your, start your research. So text the word EXP to 31996. Mr. Kinder, as always, man, God bless you, and, and thank you for being my co-host today. Hey, same here, man. Take care, Tim. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.